Hey guys, welcome to Project Timothy, where we're giving you the goods to live your best life. I'm Jazz, and I want to give you a personal invitation to subscribe to this podcast, screenshot, and share it on your Instagram. You're not going to want to miss this one. It's going to be great, so let's get right into it. Thanks for listening. What's up, everybody? We're back with another episode of Project Timothy. Today, we're going to be talking about debunking the rumors on baptism or debunking the baptism doctrine. Now, this is part of a 10-part series that's designed with new believers in mind, but the reality is that this series is going to be applicable to anyone who would say, listen, I really love the Lord, but I'm not really sure if I'm accessing the fullness of the covenant that I have with him. I want to go deeper with God. Um, So go ahead and share this, especially with people that you are getting saved as you're out soul winning or people that you're discipling. It's really, really, really going to bless them and it's going to bless you. So right into it. Debunking the rumors on baptism. Now, there's three rumors that we are going to talk about today. Uh, Rumor number one, there's only one kind of baptism. Now, Is there only one kind of baptism? Now, we're going to take a look firstly in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. It says, Now is the time for us to progress beyond the basic message of Christ and advance into perfection. The foundation has already been laid for us to build upon, turning away from our dead works to embrace faith in God, teaching about different baptisms or the doctrines of baptisms, impartation by the laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So with God's enablement, we will move on to deeper truths. Now, what we're looking at here really is verse number two, where it talks about teaching about different baptisms, or in the New King James Version says, the doctrine of baptisms. Now, this may seem overly simple, but I'm going to spell it out for you. If there were only one type of baptism, the Bible wouldn't speak about the doctrine or the teaching of different baptisms. There is more than one baptism. So, rumor number one debunked, there is not only one kind of baptism. The reality is that there are seven kinds of baptisms in the New Testament. There's John's baptism in water. There is Christ's baptism in water. There is baptism in suffering, baptism into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, the Christian baptism in water, baptism into Christ and his body, and baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire. So we're not getting into all of these today, but we are going to talk about the three of them that are applicable to us as believers. And these three are the baptism in Christ and into his body, Christian's baptism in water, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire. So the first one that we're really going to talk about is the baptism into Christ and his body. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 7 really defines this for us. It says, Or have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one, were immersed into union with his death? Verse 4, Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed with him, so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. For since we are permanently grafted into him to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. 
Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us, so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says, For by one spirit we were all immersed and mingled into one single body. And no matter our status, whether we're Jews or non-Jews, oppressed or free, we are all privileged to drink deeply of the same Holy Spirit. And then you have Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12, speaking of the same baptism into Christ and his body. Colossians 2.12 For we've been buried with him in his death. Our baptism into death also means that we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power, the power that raised him from death's realm. So, what exactly is being baptized into Christ and into his body? You're baptized into Christ and into his body when you're born again. When you say the sinner's prayer or when you say the prayer of repentance or when you call on the name of Jesus and believe on Jesus' name that he Uh, died on a cross for you and that he rose from the dead and that he's coming back for you again, that you believe on him as your Lord and Savior, you are baptized into Christ and into his body at that time. This is your immersion into union with Jesus, saying that you, who were once spiritually dead, died with Christ, and now you are risen to new life spiritually with him. The Holy Spirit in this case, is the agent responsible for baptizing you into Christ. So it's not something that a minister does. It's not something that Jesus does. It's something that the Holy Spirit does in you. He creates in you a new heart, and you're immersed into the body of Christ. We are all one body, and Christ is the head. You are baptized into his death, indicating that you spiritually share in Christ's death, and you are baptized into resurrection, indicating you were spiritually resurrected with Christ as well, and now you're empowered to walk in newness of life. And this scripture um, in in Romans chapter 6, I really like verse 7 where it says, obviously a dead person is incapable of sinning, because obviously we know that Christ lived a sinless life, and you do have the power, once you are born again, to also follow in Christ's example and live a life free from sin. And And when you really get a revelation of the union that you have with Jesus Christ, that you are, you were crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, it's not I that live, but Christ that lives in me, and this life that I now live i live i live by by faith in the son of god so you have the ability to live a life crucified to the lord you have the ability to live a life uh walking in the freshness and the newness of new life when you're empowered by the holy spirit to share not only in christ's death but in his resurrection as well so baptism number one for the believer is the baptism into Christ and into his body. And as we read a little bit earlier, there is such thing as more than one baptism. There are three. Rumor number two, I don't need to be baptized in water. So the second baptism that we talked about earlier is the Christian baptism in water, okay? So in three of the four Gospels in the book of Acts, in 1 Corinthians, and in 1 Peter, they all talk about the Christian baptism in water. And the reality is that, you know, people, some people I meet, they say, you know, I've never been baptized in water. You don't really have to be baptized in water to be saved. And the reality is that's true. You believe on the name of Jesus, you know, you say it. 
uh, with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he's coming back for you and that's how you get saved. But the reality is also that being baptized in water is a commandment of Christ. Nope. Baptism in water absolutely does not qualify your salvation, but it's a part of the Great Commission. This commandment was given to every single believer by Jesus Christ himself. What is being baptized in water? What does it mean for you? Why is it important? Baptism in water is an outward expression of an inward work, the work of the Holy Spirit raising you into new life with Christ. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, part of the Great Commission Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This was Jesus's commandment to the disciples after being risen from the dead, before he ascended into heaven. Then you look into after the day of Pentecost, when the apostles were out and they were building the kingdom of God and building the church. In Acts chapter 8, Philip the evangelist went and preached the gospel to an Ethiopian eunuch. And when the Ethiopian eunuch heard the gospel and confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, the eunuch was then immediately baptized. Uh, it says in verse 36 of Acts chapter 8, As they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. The baptism in water brings great joy. Why? It's a public decoration that you have died to your old self and now belong to Jesus Christ. And it's so interesting, you know, when I was studying this out and I was really looking into the baptism in water, every single place in the book of Acts where believe, new believers were baptized into water, it happened immediately after they believed on the name of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people received Jesus and were baptized the very same day. In Acts chapter 8, Philip preaches in Samaria, and men and women were baptized after believing on Jesus. In Acts chapter 9, Saul, who we all know as Paul, was baptized immediately after the scales fell from his eyes when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. In Acts chapter 10, when Peter preached to Cornelius' household, and they began to speak in tongues as the Holy Spirit fell on them, they were then baptized in water immediately afterward as well. In Acts chapter 16, Lydia is baptized in Philippi after hearing Paul preach Christ. And then in the same chapter, the Philippian jailer gets saved when Paul and Silas were chained up, chained up singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to the Lord. And then immediately after believing on Jesus, his entire family was saved. We follow the example of Christ and of the apostles. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. It's not to say that being baptized in water is the hinging point of your salvation, but it's something that you ought to do. 
It's a commandment given by Jesus that everyone that believes on his name should be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit as a public declaration of your of the inward working of faith by the Holy Spirit. And the reality is you don't need to be in a church to get baptized. You know, a lot of churches have Baptism Sunday where you can invite your friends and your family to come and see you publicly declare that you're a new creation in Christ. But the reality is that you can be baptized anywhere. Ministers of the gospel are the agent by which we are baptized into water. And all Christians are called to be ministers of reconciliation in the body of Christ, imploring people to be reconciled to God. And that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The expression of baptism in water itself is a testimony of Jesus Christ. So I think about it this way. Imagine, like, in today's world, being newly saved. So, like, you just accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know, someone came up, they preached the gospel to you, you said, hey, I believe in the Lord, I call on the name of Jesus. And you accepted Jesus at a bus stop, okay, and dressed in your work clothes, suit and tie, nice dress clothes, you know, whatever. Um, and you're at a bus stop near a river, Okay, so you call on the name of Jesus, you receive new life. Okay, so and then the person who led you to the Lord tells you that, you know, hey, listen, now you need to go, you need to be baptized um, in water. And then you look over at the river like the Ethiopian eunuch did. And you said, okay, hey, listen, there's a river right here. Let's just baptize me right now. And so fully dressed, you and the person that led you to the Lord get into the water and you get baptized dunked underwater head to toe in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, imagine what happens after this moment. You get out the water, and as you're walking back to the bus stop to wait for the bus to get home, everyone is looking at you soaking wet from head to toe. People are probably staring at you. People are asking you, what happened to you, dude? It's not even raining outside. Why are you soaking wet? in your suit from head to toe. And when that happens, you have the ability to share in the goodness of all that was old, was washed away, and now you're saved and reconciled to Christ. Hey, listen, I just got saved and I just got baptized. It's a testimony of the Lord. The Lord could do it for you. All my sins are washed away. I've become new. It's a public outward declaration of an inward work that just happened in my life. You don't have to wait to get baptized. Go get baptized today if you haven't been baptized. If you were baptized when you were a little baby, make a fresh commitment. Like, my life belongs to Jesus Christ. All of the old is passed away. It's, it's a conscious decision to, to make an outward step of something that was done inwardly. And that's what happened in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people did exactly that. They were out on the street. They were preaching, they heard the word of God preached, they believed on Jesus, and they were like, where is the nearest river, lake, uh, fountain that I can dunk myself, that I can get dunked into to show and profess that now I'm a Christian, I believe in the name of Jesus, all my sins have been washed away. And people recognize those 3,000 on the street, you know, people probably in the marketplace, you know, trading jewelry and, and like carrier pigeons, and here come the new Christians, and they're like, man... Those little Christ followers, there's another one. You know how I can tell? Because they're soaked head to foot. They must have just gotten baptized in water. And they just believed on the name of Jesus Christ. What a testimony. That's what happens. You hear the word, you get saved, and then immediately afterward, you get baptized. Now, this last rumor is arguably 
probably the most dangerous of all the three that we're kind of hitting on today. Um, and it's the simplest thing I can say about this one is that it's simply not true at all. Uh, rumor three, the baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire isn't for today. Now, why is this so dangerous to believe a rumor like this? Uh, other than the fact that it's completely devilish, uh, it's because the baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire gives you power. This is the baptism that gives you power to do the work that Christ called for you to do. Right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he breathed on the disciples and he said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. That's in John chapter 20. At this point, the disciples were officially born again. They're born into Christ and into his body. Then in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus tells them to tarry in Jerusalem or wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. So before you go out and do anything, Jesus is basically telling them, you need to receive this power. So you're going to wait here in Jerusalem and I'm going to send the I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and you guys are going to be endued with power from on high. And then you turn to Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, they were all filled and baptized into the Holy Spirit and fire with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, Matthew chapter 3 tells us that Jesus is the agent for the baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire. So when you're baptized into Christ in his body, that's the Holy Spirit's doing. When you're baptized into water, a minister is the agent for that baptism. This baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire, is a baptism that comes straight from Jesus himself. You only can operate at your maximum potential when you have the power of the Holy Ghost backing you and the fire of God burning within you. It also gives you power to pray in prayer according to the will of God. Romans chapter 8 verses 26 and 27 says, and in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best thing to ask for, but the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings, yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit, because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, his holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is armor for you as a believer to remain in the will of God. Spirit bears witness with the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit bears witness with the Spirit of God. The baptism of the Holy Ghost did not end with the, with the apostles. The reality is that Jesus is still baptizing his people in the Holy Ghost today. He wants you to have power. The enemy wants the church stripped of all power. You know, a, a church that's complacent, that, that has no power, is, you know, he's totally fine with that. But when you're full of the Holy Spirit, when you're full of the fire of God, and you're using that as your weaponry, when you go out to do what it is that God calls you to do, you instantly become a threat. But you have to know that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for today. You know, I've met people actually in, you know, in my life that people that I've worked with, you know, that I've talked to about being baptized in the Holy Spirit and in fire. And the reality is that you have to believe that it's something that God has for you if you're going to get it. Now, I remember when I grew up, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Okay, this is going to sound crazy. I grew up in a Pentecostal church 
and I did not know growing up that I could be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, the pastor's kids were baptized in the Holy Spirit. The deacon's kids were baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know, and the Spirit of God would overcome them, and they had the power of God flowing through them. But no one ever told me, and I did not have as much of a walk with the Lord that I read it in the Bible for myself, that it was for everybody. So here I am, you know, 12, 13 years old thinking, okay, well, I guess this is for some people. Maybe it's just not for me. And if you don't believe that it's not for you, you can't receive it. After I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in 2012, you know, I was on fire for the Lord and I still am today. But I remember working um, at Chick-fil-A back in Maryland uh, before I went to Bible school and I would I would be so zealous about these things and I would talk to other Christians who called themselves even Pentecostal Christians. And, you know, I had this one guy that I worked with and he would be like, yeah, you know, Jazz, uh, I just, I don't know if speaking in tongues is for everybody. And I'm like, hey, like, why would you say that? You know, because I haven't spoken in tongues and, you know, I, I, I thought about it and I thought, you know, maybe it's for me, but I'm not sure if I believe it. Well, if you don't believe it, you can't have it. I didn't want to say receive it because I didn't want to rhyme too much here. But if you don't believe it, you won't receive it. How can you expect the Lord to give you something that you don't think is real? Yes, to an unbeliever, the Holy Spirit falling upon you, uh, and then you falling out under the power of God, and then you get saved, you get baptized. That happened in the book of Acts when Peter went to Cornelius' house. As he was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on them, and then after he was done, they all called on the name of the Lord Jesus, and then they and then and then they got baptized in water. So, yes, when you're an unbeliever, but as a believer, if you don't believe that it's for you, how can you expect to receive it? Jesus is the one that baptizes you in the Holy Spirit and fire. And it's as simple as saying, Jesus, I believe that, you know, you are the baptizer of the Holy Spirit and fire. Baptize me now with your Holy Spirit and with fire in Jesus' name. And then you let it bubble up out of your spirit. And then you'll start to say, you know, it won't make sense to you at first, but it'll make sense to your spirit. And then it'll come flowing out. When I got baptized in, <laughs> when I got baptized in, in the Holy Spirit and fire, I knew it was real. Okay. I've never been hotter in my entire life in a 60 degree air conditioned room, sweat, pouring down my face as the fire of God hit me for the first time. And that's another thing. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and in fire, the fire of God comes with it. When you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking of, in tongues, the fire of God comes with it. The fire of God does three things in a nutshell. It purges you of impurity, just like gold is refined by fire until it becomes purer and purer. Every time it goes into the fire, it comes back even purer as it rises to the top and the impurities are burned away. It ignites holy passion within you. It makes your heart fervent for the Lord and for the things of God and for the things that he's called you to do. And it enables you to endure in all circumstances. It helps you to keep your heart and your mind and your body fixed 100% completely on the Lord. When you pray in the spirit and you have the fire of God, it creates zealousness for the things of God. That's why it's so important to pray in the Holy Spirit 
every day. It gives you a power like no other. A pa- like real power. Like you can feel like dead inside. You know, like you wake up one morning and say, like, listen, today I don't feel very saved. And you go and you pray in the Holy Spirit for like not even three minutes. And I feel you get energy, man. Like the Spirit of God, it 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 takes your mortal body and it makes it alive. It brings life to your mortal body. I mean, like, even now. As I'm as I'm talking about this, I can feel the presence of God so strongly on this one. Be- like you just, it just makes you alive, man. It puts you in a position where like you can slaughter the head off of any enemy, and it's a power that you just can't have if you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost. It's not of the devil. It's 100% from the Lord, and you need to get it. These, these baptisms, they're so paramount to your relationship with the Lord. It is a seal of raw, divine power, purification, and passion for the things of God. So, I want to encourage you. If you haven't been baptized in water and the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, get on it, like, now, man. It's so important for our union with Christ as believers that we engage in all of the fullness of our covenant with Him. Every gift is freely given, but you you have to be the one that reaches out and grabs it to receive it. Now, if you're listening to this podcast today and you're saying like, well, I haven't even gotten saved, let alone baptized, we're going to say a prayer right now um, so you can receive Jesus Christ in your heart. You don't have to wait until the next time someone invites you to church. You don't have to wait until Sunday morning uh, to, to, to get saved. You can do it right now. So I want you to say this prayer with me and you're going to receive Jesus into your heart. Say, dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, wash me and cleanse me. Set me free of everything that's held me back in every area that I was weak. Make me strong. Give me a hunger for your word, for the things of God. Thank you that you died on the cross and that you rose for me again. I believe that you are the son of God. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I want to know about it. Okay, so send me a message on Instagram at Jasmine Dandridge. That's J-A-Z-M-I-N-E. D-A-N-D-R-I-D-G-E. And I will send you a Bible. I just want you guys to know to have the best day you've ever had. And remember that you were created for signs and wonders. See you next time. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. I just want to give you an invitation to go ahead and follow on social media so you can be up to date with everything that we're doing here um, on Twitter. It's the love offering. Go ahead and tweet me anything that's impacted your heart. And if you listen to this podcast today and you said, man, like that really stood out to me. I want to hear about it. Let me know. I want to reach out to you. I want to talk to you about it on Instagram. You can find me at Jasmine Dandridge. That's J-A-Z-M-I-N-E-D-A-N-D-R-I-D-G-E. 
share the podcast with your friends, tag me in it. I want to repost them and I want to connect with you there. And then on Facebook, you can search Jasmine Dandridge, the love offering for any other updates. I love to hear from you guys. Go ahead and subscribe. And until next time, know that I love you and you've been created for signs and wonders.